Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in bar and restaurants. My pursuit in this podcast is of having difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. Today, my guest is uh, Krista Henkel Self. She is the mother of uh, Kaylin Self, um, who is a, a Houston bartender, um, well known for some beautiful, beautiful cocktails that she creates, also for being a very hardworking uh, person and just one of the nicest people that, that we have in our industry. And her mother was always very active during the the renaissance years those peak years of craft cocktail activity where everyone was so enthusiastic enthusiastically learning a lot and so she went to competitions and education and 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 throughout these events and in these years i got to know her and she's she's a friend that is always presenting herself as um, enthusiastic and and uh, vibrant and so to find out that she already had covid um, I was curious to see what, what, what the, that experience was, was like. And so here's our conversation. So, Krista, how are you? I'm doing well now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got yes. some good news today, right? I did. I got my second of, well, my second negative test after testing positive first. So I, this is my third test. Oh, wow. And so... Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, well, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. Um, Thank you. And, um, but I'm also curious of, of how long ago was it that you tested positive and what was it that drove you to get tested in the first place? I was going to have some elective surgery oh. on my eyelids. And um, before you go for any surgery, three days beforehand, the hospital requires that you get tested. I had had sore throat before that, but nothing. I thought it was allergies, actually. So when they called to tell me a day later that I had tested positive for COVID and the surgery was canceled, I was shocked. Um, I... uh, so my testing was in a hospital at that time where I was going to have the surgery or around the corner from it. Uh-huh. And uh, they took private insurance at that time. Um, uh, the test, uh, I've had three, now that I've had three tests, I've never had the same type of test given to me. So it was interesting to me to see how I navigated through the system and all the different testing types they have. So what was and, the- and how you get information along the way, which varies, you know, and it's pretty much a, you know, um, shot in the dark unless you're very curious and, and do a lot of research on your own. So I found that to be interesting, you know. Um, how so was I the used- uh, first test? I mean, what, what was the difference between the first, second and third test? Well, the first test was in the hospital. They used private insurance, uh-huh. which I understand private insurance will only pay for one test, is what they told me. Wow. I had a, if you can picture, uh, double the length of a pencil, about the same width, and almost like a bottle brush, 
Wow. And they stick it up your nose and it continues to go down your throat. And while you're doing it, they're turning it around, you know, like almost like cleaning your throat with it. And it's a combination of feeling like you want to sneeze, cough, throw up and punch the healthcare worker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's it's very obnoxious. Uh, and they hold your head back because I think they know that you might want to punch. Really, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with the testing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and no, the health. It has to do with the test. It's so uncomfortable going up your nose and then down your throat. Wow. That and they go deep down there, so you literally it makes you want to. It, it makes you want to almost throw up, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's ticklish at the same time, and yet I don't know. It's just very uncomfortable. Okay. And then. Um, I got the results the next day, which said literally that I was uh, that I was uh, COVID positive, and it was really interesting because the day after I got my test, I started feeling sicker. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a sore throat for a couple of weeks prior to testing, although I thought it was just allergies. But then, um, what set in for the next 14 days? So this started. In, March, wait a minute, what month are we in? This started um, the 28th of, let's see, I got the 28th, the 28th of, of uh, May, May, I got it. Okay. And then for the next 14 days, I had extreme fatigue. Uh, I was a total slug. I mean, like total. I saw every, every show I never wanted to see uh, on TV. <laughs> And uh, I had a consistent wet cough, although they said to watch for a dry cough. I had headaches that were in varying degrees on different days. Only two of those days were pretty bad. And I never had a fever and I never lost my sense of uh, taste or smell. So I really had the sore throat, fatigue, you know, the cough and the headaches, but I didn't have anything else. And um, I really did nothing during that time. I did nothing. And I, during that time, though, I thought about how did I get it? Of course, you want to know how, how do I think I got it? Yeah. And, and I had walked my dog probably every other day on the trails because I live in the woodlands. And I was the only person with a mask on when I walked. And I passed lots of people and none of them had masks. But I also kept mine on until I passed them about 10 feet, and then I would take it off because it was just too hot to keep it on. Uh -huh. I had a dryer repair man come, and he was here with a, a, a helper. And I have an Indian friend who I took to a specialty Indi Indi uh, you know, an Indian store to go shopping, but I didn't go in. And she didn't have a mask on when she got in my car, and I asked her to, to pull up her scarf to do so. Uh -huh. And I had spent the Mother's Day with my daughter at my house. And about halfway through the day, we took off our masks because we were disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I immediately, upon learning that I had COVID, called every single one of these people and said, you need to quarantine and be tested. Right. My daughter was the only one who agreed to get tested. And thank goodness she had no COVID. Um, and the others 
all agreed that they would quarantine, although I don't believe the dryer repairman quarantined. <laughs> I, I don't believe he stopped, you know? Yeah. So, so now I was like, okay, now that I have this and I'm sick, I did not get really scared like most of my friends did. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I scared my daughter. Um, but I didn't get really scared because I never felt threatened like I couldn't breathe or I, you know, I was going to cough so much that I, you know, that I felt bad enough to go to a hospital. So when I had called my doctor and he said to stay home unless I felt threatened and then go to the emergency room. So then I had discussions with myself about if this gets bad and and I'd heard how horrible the ventilator was yeah. and you know that came to mind and I have a friend that's a nurse who said I wouldn't even go to the hospital if I had this and I had to get on a ventilator it's that bad afterwards yeah you know that there's 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 problems that's come up afterwards after you do that your body becomes so weak so now I had okay who's going to take care of my pets yeah am I worth it am I worth it do I, I'm an old lady do I really need to go on a ventilator and have problems that are going to cause my family problems later on? You know, the huge expense, probably, you know, possibly never seeing my family again if I go in and, poss and possibly die. You know, so all those questions come into play, either consciously or unconsciously, I have to say. You know, you're, you're thinking on those lines. Yeah. Um, you know, I researched info from the CDC because I thought they were a really good central repository of data nationwide. Uh -huh. And I know some people go to WHO or some people go to CDC and others just go to Fox News. But I'm a <laughs> CDC person, to be honest with you. And I'm an NPR listener. So uh, I'm, I was trying to listen to as much as I could and learn. Um, and what I learned when I went on the CDC, which scared me, was they don't even want you around your own animals. Like if you have a cat or a dog, they say, don't be around them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I sleep with my animals. Oh, wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so why, why? My husband is deceased. And so I sleep with my animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? why did it say why? No? It said that you could possibly give it to them. They don't they don't know that if it they don't know if it spreads to them or not. Oh. So they were suggesting that you did not. Right. Well, you know, I had already been in, in bed with them for four days or whatever at that point, and I'm like, too late, you know. I'm, I'm, where do I do with them? And would I give them to someone else? Right. If they could possibly spread it to them. So all those questions come up while you're along the way, you know. And I felt weak. For the interesting part is that I felt weak for the two weeks following up that the two weeks where I was sick. I remember I called my daughter at one point. I said, I had just taken a shower and almost passed out because wow. I was that weak, you know, and that didn't happen. The times I took it while I was really weak. But afterwards, I remember a day or two later, I took a shower and I just got out of the shower and I, I wasn't even dry. And I just fell down on the bed and just said, I just, I'm just going to lie here. You know, I gotta, I can't do it. Wow. So and then um, since that time, I'm a and I'm also a gardener, so I was like, "Oh, my garden's gonna die!" You know, I was worried. <laughs> I mean, I do have a sprinkler system, but I, you know, I have also pots and things like that. So, I mean, I did go outside to do some of that, but it wiped me out. I mean, so I would say I was wiped out for a month. You know, yeah. In terms, in terms of fatigue, 
Now the coughing, the coughing lasted, you know, for the month, but it was really bad for the two weeks. And then after that, it was almost like the 15th day I got better. It was so weird. It was like, okay, full 14 days bad. And then 15 to 30 days, it was, you know, a lot less. Okay. But still, still affected, still affected, you know. And so, and, let me go back to, to the thing that you said about thinking uh, about your family and what it'd be like to be on a ventilator and and all that kind of stuff, because that has that is the psychological stress that the, the, something like this has. Because, like you mentioned, if you do get hospitalized then definitely your family's not going to see you. And if things just keep getting south, then you're there by yourself. And sometimes the thing that comforts you is just having a family member just sitting there in the room with you. And Absolutely. I think yeah. that the, the, the psychological stress um, hasn't, been, hasn't helped any. It never does. But, I mean, what was that? Like, it did, was that, that happened immediately? Or that was, you know, after days of what? feeling weak and... and, and if- after feeling weak and, and thinking, well, this could end up in the hospital, um, I immediately thought about I don't have, I mean, I have a will, you know, those kinds of things. And I've given my daughter some information about my life and here's where you go, if, you know, here, here's the bank accounts I have, that kind of stuff, you know. But I thought about there is so much she does not know about what to do just to say, here I die today. All the things that, you know, do this first, do this second, you know, here's your legal document. And she has the legal documents, but, you know, those kinds of things that you start to think, oh, my God, all the things I haven't done. Oh, my gosh, my my garage. I never really cleaned out my garage enough, that poor <laughs> kid, you know. I mean, all of those things come to come to pass. It's like, um, what have I done? You know, what if what have I what have I what's my legacy? What is uh, and I don't. You know, it wasn't so much that I would be alone. I think I was worried that my daughter would not be able to see me, and that would hurt her, you know? Right. Uh, and, and my brother and, you know, my family and, you know, those kinds of things. So, so um, that came into play. Yeah, I and, you know, I just, uh, you know, who's going to take my dog? Who's going to take my cat? You know, all, all those little those things little details. around the house. Yeah, yeah, I know. Does you know? Does she know where my money is to pay the taxes on the house? You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, I felt like I was water boiling, and at one point, when that water was boiling to the top, all these things had to be known, and they're not. You know, um, I thought in the past I had done a pretty good job. You know, she's got my legal documents, she's got this, this, this. You know, but then I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much I she doesn't know or you know, she doesn't know my password to my computer, you know, <laughs> um, just the stupid things, you know, and uh, those really all came out. And then I was also making calls. OK, I called my doctor, you know, and he said, stay home if you feel threatened or go to the emergency room. You know, well, then all the ventilator questions come. Then you go to CDC and see all the, 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 the information on there. Then you get a call from, I got a call from the Montgomery County Health Department to me. And they want to know, you know, how I'm feeling. Where did I, where did I think I got it from? Who did I talk to? You know, and I said, well, are you going to follow up with them? They said, no, we want to know that. I said, I've called them to let them know. And they said, okay, good. You know, if you 
know that you've been around people and you let them know, we appreciate that. Uh, we're not going to call them and tell them, you know? Right. So, it, it, so I thought, you know, we have terrible follow-up system in this country, you know, and that's not like, you know, like uh, South Korea where everybody that you've been in contact with is known. Um, those things are not happening in this country. The, you know, the contact information is not being passed on really. They just asked me if I, how I thought and how I felt. And, and then they talked about when I was gonna do my next follow-up test. And I said, I didn't know I was supposed to. No one hands you anything in the hospital that says, this is what you're doing today. After this, this is what you need to do. So there's no infer- sharing of information or this is there's the protocol. Nothing. Now that you've nothing. tested positive, this is the protocol you need to follow. Absolutely. So then they said, well, you need two follow-up tests to show negative before you're considered what we call cleared or, you know, ready to go again. Hmm. So then you say, call us back after your, we should, then, then I got another call after the first week, like, you know, like eight days into it. And they wanted to know if I had my done my second test. And I said, oh, I'm still sick, you know, I'm not going to do a test until, oh, we're supposed to call you after 14 days. We, we shouldn't have called you. Okay, call me next week. They don't call. <laughs> <laughs> so I call them and they say, yes, you need two more tests. Uh, we can give you a free voucher for one additional test. And now... Krista, which test do you want? Do you want the COVID test or the antibody test? I'm like, you tell me. What do I want? Well, there's two different antibody tests. Which do you want? Wow. I said, so I said, okay, um, explain this to me. A long explanation was given to me. And at the end, I said, can I just ask you a few questions? Because I don't understand what you just told me. I really don't. Because it sounded to me like you were saying the same thing twice. So, which antibody tests are there? Is one how? I think I understand you saying how strong are your antibodies is one test, and the other one is you have antibodies, but you're still contagious. So, okay, so you can have antibodies, but you're still contagious. That's interesting. Okay, so I said, what's the difference between the antibodies and you're still contagious? and a live COVID test, because if I have live COVID, I'm still contagious. Right. And they said, you know what, just take the COVID test. That was their answer. <laughs> well, for, so, what, I, what I find interesting is that they ask you, which test do you want? And it's like, wait a second, um, you're supposed to be informed. You're the, the, the professional, the healthcare uh, professional, even though I believe that at this point, they're probably doing temp hires, you know, and just putting people on the phone so that the information is getting out there. But they no, haven't this was worked when out. When I showed up, when I showed up, yeah. when you oh, showed well, yeah, up, and on the phone, and on the phone, yes, true, yes. But I just think yeah. that is, it's like there's no real protocol. Is what it sounds like. It's like well, this is what happens first. Then this is what we need you to do second, and then this is third, and then before we clear you, this is what has to happen. Right, and so I was getting this confusing information that it was me making decisions instead of them telling me, "Here's what you need to do. Do this." do this do this exactly you know and so i just had to use you know my own logic i guess which may be flawed but uh, i took a second covid test then 
And it was also a drive. This one was a drive-through, whereas before I went into the hospital, this one was a drive-in test. And this one, they put a Q-tip, like a long, skinny Q-tip up my nose and kind of whirled it around in there, you know? And so that one was different than this one. And then that was the end of that. And I only waited online. I mean, I literally had one car in front of me for this test. You know, you made an appointment online. When they gave you the voucher, they emailed the voucher to you. And then the voucher has a link to it where you make your appointment, hmm. which was good because literally the place is two miles from me and uh, or less. And I could pull in and, it, you know, you fill out a little bit of information. That's where they, I learned about the different antibody tests and the COVID test. And uh, they told me the voucher is only good for, I don't know, it was like three days and if oh. it's three days and one minute after that, it's no longer good. So make sure you get there early. Really? They, yep. They said it's good for that amount of time and that amount of time only. That's kind of terrible. So if you if you had shown up late, you would not have been able to get that free voucher and you can't get another one. Okay. Okay. So I did that. They sent me a, 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 a link and I went online and I found out that it came back negative. So, How are you feeling at this point? Good. Good. I'm really feeling good. I'm still not, I don't think I'm as strong as I was before. Well, I mean, whenever, I, whenever you took the first, month, whenever you, know? you took that yeah. first test after being sick, how did you feel at that point? I was still coughing, uh -huh. you know, um, not as much, uh, but coughing was the only thing. I didn't have a sore throat anymore and I didn't have headaches. And um, so the only thing I really had was coughing. And I couldn't tell if that was even because I'd been starting to go outside again and maybe allergies or if it was really COVID, you know. So I got that second test and it said that I was negative. Um, the, only, the, the only thing I took during this whole time was I took some Tylenol when I had those headaches. Yeah. And I, and I, and I took Musinex, the DM, you yeah. know, to loosen up the cough. And it, I don't know that it helped, <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I couldn't tell if it helped, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, and then I made my once I got my first negative back, then I called the Montgomery County Health Department again because they told me they could advise me where there's free testing and you don't need a voucher. I had to go to Conroe to do it. And they give you, you know, you have to sign up for it again and you sign up for a time, which was, I made a time at 11 o'clock in the morning. I waited in the car for an hour and 45 minutes because there were 30 cars ahead of me. Wow. And there were probably 30 cars behind me. Okay, so this place was busy. Busy, busy, busy. And they had two lines, you know, they had people checking and rechecking and, you know, fill out this paperwork are you sure this is you that kind of thing i mean like a lot of times okay. at least three times in each line and um they had a plastic swab that went up your nose they circled your nose two times inside each side and then you'd hold it for 15 seconds and then you would drop it into a vial and, and put it in a plastic bag and hand it back to them 
It took five days for me to get the results, which I literally got back today, <laughs> uh, probably 15 minutes before I were speaking here. Okay. And they said I was negative. Well, first I had, they said that they would call me. The first thing said, excuse me, let me back step. The info sheet said that they would call me if it was positive. But the people in line to, and the testers said that I would receive a call back within three days, whether positive or negative. Their website says to go to the Kroger portal to sign up. There's no sign up for portal. So I called Kroger again, you know, the line that I had, the number they had on here. And they just said, oh, just wait for a call back. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's... <laughs> That was tiring just listening to to all, I'm all sorry. Of it. No, and I and I mean in the sense of of the 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 I had to go this and and I had got this information and then you know that 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 red tape that that thing to where you're dealing with something serious which is, you know, a, a health um illness, you know, something that could be potentially really terrible and you you're getting choppy information. So it's like do it You know, I got part information here. Then I have to look for the other information over there. Then I, I'm getting these questions over here, which I thought you're supposed to have the answers. And then the other part being, I need, you know, you need three tests once you test positive. And yet insurance only pays for one. The city only pays for one. And then and then the tests, from what I've heard, they're about two, three hundred dollars. And so right. the individual will have to pay for the other one. Thank God that they're you know, uh, businesses that well, are sponsoring it. And so then that, that, that it's one way for the people that have access to that or think to look for that. I just well, don't. And what I thought about the whole time was I'm feeling well enough at least to go do all this. If I was seriously sick and didn't want to go to the hospital had, and didn't have anybody to help me, this would have been terrible. It would have been, I mean, because you, you're not, you don't, get an answer immediately you're waiting online you know if i if i didn't have the wherewithal but if you were feeling extremely sick you know you wouldn't you'd probably just fall in bed and just leave it for as many days as you could you mm. know i i don't know that it, it's not an easy process to monitor and you and when i called the montgomery health Uh, health department i know that i asked some questions and they they gave me an answer and then one lady said oh wait a minute they're telling me that's no longer true hold on a minute <laughs> you know and uh so i got those kinds of calls as well is where they said uh no they told me that that's not how you do that anymore we're not doing it that way so hold on a minute you know so, so do you think I mean, that they're, they're learning as we are well and you know if you listen to fauci who is somebody that i respect you know he said you know what most diseases We've studied for years Correct. before we come up with anything. We're going at a you know record speed with this, you know, a record speed. But you know, we still don't know if people are going to have long-term lung problems or heart problems, or which we're also hearing. You know, Correct. that after you have this, there's a possibility of of, of uh, residual problems. So there's a whole lot of things we don't know or uh, nobody knows right now so well i really appreciate you sharing this story uh with me and um and so right. i hope that that your health just keeps improving but yeah, um absolutely thank you if, if what is it that you want people to take out of this i mean is it 
then not some is COVID not something to worry about? Oh, COVID is absolutely something to worry about. And it's not, and see, when I say I worried about me, I worried more about giving it to someone else because uh, there's a lot, you know, I have girlfriends who have husbands that have cancer. So their immune systems are bad, you know? I don't want to get near them when I'm when I'm sick. Right. You know, it's not me. I've always been a healthy person, so I'm very lucky, very lucky. But there's people with compromised immune systems. And to, to ever put somebody else in danger, uh, because you can't see that, out, you know, you can't see that outwardly. But there's too many people that have these compromises that would really, really hurt them. Um, my uh, my nephew and his wife, I talked to them yesterday, and they live in Katy, and they both had it. And she is a, she is a um, newscaster, and she said it's gone throughout her, her you know, her newscast oh, yeah. people. And one of, one of them was 50 years old and died. So uh, there's young people dying from this. You know, people keep talking about the elderly because it's the most of us. And there is a there is a um, kind of an assisted living place on the corner, not uh-huh. too far from me, where six people have died. You know, it's not a quarter of a mile from me. So, I mean, there's it. It happens to older people, but it also happens to young people. And my four cousins in New York got it. Uh, well, my cousin's daughter and her husband and their two teenagers, of varying degrees, from not so bad to totally horrible. totally horrible and they said it was four weeks before they even got downstairs in their house you know oh wow so yeah um very terrible yeah uh for all of them and uh so i i hear varying degrees of how people have gotten this and i wouldn't I, i wouldn't put anybody in danger if i couldn't you know if i could avoid it for sure well, yeah, and 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 that I think that has to be the the message that we keep pushing, which is is like you're not wearing the mask for yourself; you're wearing it for other people. And I think more people can get on board with that than, I mean, there's there's the lunatics that keep showing up on social media that are, you know, throwing food around or, or arguing with people or you know, wanting to start fights just because they want to create a scene and and i really believe because i've seen posts in social media where these people want to go out and create a scene um and go viral to keep that conversation going and it's a it's a negative hateful conversation because just wear a mask you know and you're protecting other people um and i think that that message is the one that we need to keep pushing because it is. There's a. It's varying degrees. Some people are gonna, is going to have very mild uh, symptoms, and some people are going to end up uh, with damaged lungs and, and hearts, and some people are just going to die. And we don't know who's who because there's no test for that right now. And therefore, we need to protect everyone as if it, this is a life-threatening uh, virus for every single one. Well, look at look at the yeah the just last night the the bar downtown and I'm forgetting the name it starts with an S, but uh, that bar last night that was packed just absolutely oh, packed. Oh, Spire. Spire, yes. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, it 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 just it just uh, it's very upsetting, you know, from afar even. So. 
yeah, yeah. and those are probably the people that are are thinking uh, I don't really care if 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 you die <laughs> so you know unfortunately well, and it says something to me about what they think about themselves right you know if you're willing to die or we're willing to let someone else die what what are your values to me that's about a value yeah yeah i think it it questions people's values <clears throat> well uh like i said i appreciate your you sharing your story david it was very nice of you to invite me and i uh i hope somebody if they're listening learned something <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> well, well you take care david all right same to you thank you very much thanks bye bye You know, there are many things that we've learned in the past couple of months. So the shared experience of COVID-19 has demanded a lot from all of us. But I want to talk to specifically the restaurant and bar industry right now. So we have adapted to a business model to do curbside pickup and, and to-go orders. Something that we're not set up for and that's usually not our normal selves. We set up kits to uh, help our guests enjoy our cocktails at home. Some business owners have gone as far as, as taking profitability out of the equation. Chris Williams at Lucille's has done that, and he's done it mainly to keep the doors open and to keep his employees uh, fed and, and paid. We have also made some sacrifices. And if you talk to Michael Neff of Cottonmouth Club in downtown, he has explicitly gone on the record with the national media by saying that if saving lives means him losing his business, then so be it. He's also pointed out that losing a quarter or more of the businesses or the bars in any city is going to have consequences, lasting consequences of culture and the vibrancy what the city is. So in Houston in particular, the, the former mayor invested millions of dollars in revitalizing downtown, focusing on the historic Market Square and on uh, Main Street, parallel to that. So, But that just happens to, to be happening at a time whenever the, the craft cocktail renaissance revival is going on. So I can tell you from someone who participated in the education and promotion of the of a unified industry working to raise the level of craftsmanship in bartending. There was a lot of learning, collaborating, and there was uh, some travel to conventions and educational opportunities that were very unique of the time, particularly given the people that were taking part in that uh, education like uh, Andy Seymour, uh, Del DeGroff, um, Angus Winchester, and um, you know many, many other people that were uh, Sasha Petrosky. You know, these are this was a time whenever there was uh, a lot of enthusiasm about the future of bartending. So that said, okay, so when you have bars today that ignore the cities, the county, the state's requirements, social distance um, of their customers, 
either by expanding, extending the distance between the tables uh, to having staff wearing masks all the time. But the thing about those masks is that it has to be an N95, otherwise it's ineffective in protecting the staff. It's effective in protecting the guest, but not the staff. So giving the fact that there are some bars that are ignoring all of this even after we were already closed once even after people started getting sick from the industry employees and other people started getting sick and, and because of that some bar owners voluntarily closed because they didn't like the idea of of spreading being a place where people are spreading this they just wanted to give people one less reason to get sick and then you have clubs nightclub but technically a lounge event space event venue so not technically a bar anymore like spire which got busted with a bunch of people in there without social distancing without uh yeah the staff had masks but those were not in 95s you know was the club providing it for them so the point here is that it's an insult it's an insult to everyone who has sacrificed. It's an insult to everyone who has made an honest effort. It is an insult to the fact that you don't know if you are infecting someone. Just because you're fine and you don't get severely sick or even sick at all doesn't mean that you carrying this virus won't kill someone else. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.